Welcome to the Bring Your Lunch Pail Sports Podcast. Presented by Luke Sleet Says. I'm a mortal man, give me a break. Here are your hosts, Luke, Nigel, and Tanner. You know, have you guys ever been to uh have you guys ever been to Oakland? <laughs> I've driven through Oakland. Yeah. Beautiful town. Been to San Francisco, but not Oakland. Haven't really gone over the Bay Bridge. We're uh we're in Oakland overnight and uh we went by the Oakland Coliseum. Oh, the it's a stadium. Dude, it lived up to its height completely. Even from a distance on the freeway, you could see that place is a total dump. Yeah, <laughs> it, it was brutal. The Four first thing heads. I said, to, the first thing I said to the Uber driver, I don't think he was catching on to it too much. But I was like, and that's why your team's going to Las Vegas here really soon. <laughs> <laughs> it's like the Raiders already left. All right, well, we are in episode two of the podcast. It sounds like we got pretty good feedback from the people that's listened. I don't know how many viewers we or listeners we actually got, but it, it was starting to climb up. But the biggest complaint was the audio. So they'll be uh, happy to find out that the audio will probably be even worse this week with the Zoom call that we're doing. <laughs> Lots to look forward to. Our scratchy voices, all of us, yeah. uh, all of us miles and miles apart, except for Luke and I, who are uh, 50 feet apart. Disclosure, I've been rocking a cold yeah, Luke's, Luke's playing like, injured, so hashtag warrior over here. Yeah, he's I'm good. feeling a little down on my energy, but I'm sure if I keep uh, drinking some beers, I'll feel a little bit better once we get going. But it might take a minute to uh, get the juices flowing here. All right, All right so from well, the top. So we're talking about exciting things, trying to get some excitement going here. Again, the Zoom call is, I think, killing our mojo a little, but we're going to we're gonna gain some momentum here. So with that said, spring training starting catchers and pitchers and everyone's reporting the spring training right now i don't know let's let's dive into that what's your guys's expectations this year for the mariners can they possibly close the gap with the astros do we foresee another playoff season do we see more than that i think that well i think it's going to be tough to close the gap on the astros if i'm being honest we the mariners have made some moves and i like I like some of the moves that they've made, but I just think over the course of 162 games, it's going to be, it's going to be tough for them to close the gap very much. I don't, I don't foresee the Mariners winning the West personally. I don't know about you guys, but I think unless the stars align, that pitching staff is even better than advertised, which I think they're going to be really good. I just don't, I just think it's going to be tough for them to catch up to Houston. Houston added more guys this off season as well. You know, they're reigning world, world champions. Like it's, it's a steep hill to climb for the M's, but we still got the playoffs and I think we got a good, ch- I, I would be disappointed if we aren't making, making a playoff push and having some games in October. Yeah. I mean, following up on that is that I do expect the Bearders to be better. They had a horrible start to the year last year and they still won 90 games. Right. So you imagine that they're not what 10 games under 500 in June, then, you know, you're probably a bit better come the end of the year, but five more, five to eight more wins in the regular season. I'd call that a pretty successful season. If you win 95 to 98, still don't know that that's enough to catch the the Strohs. You got to figure they're going to be flirting with a hundred wins plus, right? That's what yeah, they do. So. Like they're yeah. the defending World Series champs. So. Like you said, like they lost Verlander. Maybe that'll end up being a bigger loss than I think most people are giving credit for. But they'll be a lot. They'll be better. They'll win more games, and it'll be closer in the AL West. 
and they might be a good enough team that they can beat Houston in a playoff series, unlike last year. But yeah, I don't see them. I don't see them making great strides to winning the AL West. But they might be a more comfortable second, and not hoping I'll for be a, fighting, fighting, not, for that, that not relying, first. not relying on a sixteen-game win streak or whatever in July to get them to a spot where they're comfortable. Like they could just grind out wins consistently and win 95 games, clinch a playoff spot well before the last week of the season, and then try to be dangerous come October. How do you guys feel about the offseason? I know there's been, at least in the in the Twitter world and in the sports fan world in, in Seattle, a lot of people seem disappointed with the uh, offseason, free agents, trades, everything of that nature. What's your guys' take on that? Do you think the Mariners set themselves up for better success, or do you think they could have done more? I think they had a lukewarm offseason, which I don't, which I mean that as a positive, honestly. I don't mean that to be super negative, but yeah, I see some of the comments from people that and hear it on the radio that it's like people want the Mariners to spend more money. And I get that because like I've heard it said a million times and it is kind of funny is that until we signed what AJ Pollock to a one year, $7 million deal, the largest free agent bat acquisition that Depoto had was Nori Aoki for $5 million. Like that's <laughs> disturbing, honestly. <laughs> and the fact that you, you top that by getting AJ Pollock for one year, seven, like, you know, <laughs> I'm not ready to hang the banner yet. <laughs> That's exciting. So, Listen, like, AJ yeah, Pollock yeah. has World Series experience, okay? He yeah. brings that veteran leadership into the locker room. Yeah, exactly. But, but with that said, like, obviously we had to trade for Teoscar Hernandez, which also, did you see that he lost his arbitration? We can go into that more, but... I didn't see I that. Think, I knew that was today. Yeah, he lost. I think they. he still... He's still set. getting like 14 million or yeah, something. Yeah, I think he still 16, set a record right? in arbitration, but yeah. Yeah, yeah exactly. There's a difference of 2 million, I think. I think but. people are I think people are sleeping on that a little bit. It's like that happened pretty early on in the in the off season, but Teoscar Hernandez is a dude. He hit he hit two bombs against us in the playoffs. I think he's going to be if he can stay healthy, you know, he's I'd say he's comparable to Mitch Haniger. Mitch Haniger can only play about 50 games a season, so, you know, if he can stay out there, he's He's younger. He's athletic. He's got a bat. I think he could be a. I think he can be a big piece. And then, of course, I mean, they keep saying this, but you still, you still signed, you signed your superstar also. So you locked, you locked him in for a long term. And I think the Mariners are as lukewarm, I guess, as this this uh, off season was. I think they're still trying to save up their pesos and go big after Otani next year when he's a free agent. And I personally, if that means this year is the stepping stone for for that i i'm re- i'm willing to wait and see if we can go go sign otani and go get a pitcher and a bat all in one and one of the you know one of the most electrifying players in baseball for the last what five six years whatever he's been been in the league so if we have to wait one year for that and still be competitive this year and i think that if julio takes a step up this pitching squad stays healthy you got you got a good chance to to give the Astros problems in the playoffs because I assume that's what you're on a you're on a crash course for them either way at the end of the day. So if you got to be able to beat them in a in a five game series, do you guys think if they would have signed Luis Castillo in this offseason rather than getting him in the end of the trade trade deadline last year, do you think that would have made a difference with everyone's 
criticisms that they're giving the Mariners right now, because I feel like people are forgetting that, like, you can kind of put that in the mix because we also signed them to a longer term deal. Like you said, the whole thing with Julio Rodriguez, that's another big one that I think people are kind of sleeping on a little bit as far as like they did do a lot of damage in the offseason. And I think that there's something to be said, too, with even signing. um, Man, what's his name? What's our new second baseman? Uh, Colton Wong. I I think Colton Colton Wong. Wong, Yeah, that has to be an upgrade over Adam Frazier, isn't it? I would think so. I mean, Adam Remain, Frazier was... remains to be seen. I've I've seen them talk about like I mean, Adam Frazier had comparable numbers to Colton Wong until he came to the Mariners. He also is doing a similar thing as he went from National League to American League. I'd say jury's out on that because Adam Frazier had almost identical numbers to Colton Wong, at least like basic statistics, batting average, on base percentage, doubles, home runs, stuff like that. Pretty similar numbers. And then he came to the Mariners and had a pretty pedestrian season while changing leagues. I'd say I'd reserve judgment until I see Colton Wong do anything because we were also pretty excited about Adam Frazier. Like, man, if he can just come in and give us, you know, 270, 280 batting average and like be moving around the base path, they'll be pretty good. And then, you know, he, I think he ended up being a little bit better than the midway point would have said, but what did he hit? 250? Yeah, something like that. He, he definitely played a bit better at the end of the year, but I think he probably ended somewhere in that 250 range. To uh, to answer your original question, though, Tan, is that I'd say a little bit of yes and no. If we would have signed, if Luis Castillo was an offseason signing, I think there would be a lot more hype, like with what they did in the offseason. At the same time, I feel like most Mariners fans' gripes typically isn't revolving around pitching because they've always been good at pitching and they know how to acquire these guys. It's the bats. And that's why like the near the Nori Aoki and AJ Pollock kind of story is what it is. Cause like they have a proven track record of finding pitchers and plugging them in. And they have a proven track record of not being able to acquire bats. So even if you sign Luis Castillo as a free agent in the off season and it bolsters your off season money spent, it's still a pitcher and it's not a batter. Like, to like stem off of that. It's like, we're all excited for Julio. And like I said, it was a lukewarm off season for their bats. If Julio misses, like we watched, you know, we said this in the first podcast, but we just watched my, oh my, if the Mariners lose Julio, like 95 Mariners lost Ken Griffey. Do you think that the rest of the bats are going to be good enough to hold this lineup up for 50 games through the middle of summer? Because I'm Absolutely. not convinced. Ty France <laughs> is leading us to the promised land. Okay. I'm, I'm not going <laughs> no, to. We're, re- we're bringing back Alex Diaz to bring back the magic like he <laughs> yeah, did back right. in 95. Yeah. Alex Diaz, player coach. <laughs> I'm not, I'm not completely convinced that if somebody like Julio falls out of this lineup, that they'll have enough firepower. Yeah, it it would have been it would have been nice. I think if we added someone that's not AJ Pollock, like an Andrew Benintendi type of dude. I heard on the radio. I think they signed him. He got signed for like five years, seventy five million or something like that. It's like a guy like that would go out and probably hit two eighty plus. You know, like he's a good bat. He's a good outfielder. Really, a guy that someone like Kelnick could look up to and try to strive to be, you know, so someone like that would have been nice. And I think would have really rounded out the team, but 
and, and at that price tag, I think that's that would be a, a deal yeah, that you could you could stomach, you know, or that you would think the Mariners would be able to stomach. But you know, who knows what the what the situation is? Maybe they did knock on that door and it didn't come through. But you would you would have liked to see someone like that. But now you get the the plus side of that though is that you then get to you're going to have a platoon with Kalanick. Like Kalanick's going to play. I think the Mariners are still high on Kalanick, which I am too. I think he's going to be. I think he still has a chance to be a good player in the major leagues. He's still young. He's got you know, he struggled a little bit early on in his career for sure, but I think he's, you know, he's poised for his breakout any day now. Hey, when he puts the bat on the ball, it pops off. Yeah, <laughs> the struggle yeah, is absolutely. the struggle is getting the bat on it. Like, yeah, and it, he's gonna he's gonna flashes. be he's gonna be in cherry pick situations for the year. Like, he's gonna be you know getting righty lefty. You know, so he's gonna be he's gonna be in good situations. He's a solid defender, and then you have veteran guy like AJ Pollock to to be on the other side of that platoon. Like, I think that's I think that's solid overall. I think you're and you, I think you're in a good place still with that. But it's just not spicy. You know, it's like. No one, no one's out here being like, "Oh my God, great signing!" At the end of the day, the Mariners, you know, it'll probably suffice for what they need, and I think that they probably know they're not going to compete with the Astros this year. Probably have a few more years left. These younger guys growing up a little bit, and so you you don't need to break the bank on the on the payroll to get those or to get those superstars quite yet. But I don't know. It's also not my money, even though it kind of is. We pay for uh, Root Sports. We talked about that (laughs) that the other night. I pay for Root Sports, so I'm paying for these players. All right. But, you know, I think that I think that that money could be better or will be useful in the years to come when you're when you're a real contender, like, you know, year or two down the road when all these same young guys that you have you have on deals for multiple years, that that's the time to kind of break the bank and bring in the big dogs. So you, you mentioned Jared Kelnick a couple of times. I have two Jared Kelnick questions. So I'll start with one, let you guys answer and I'll move on to the next. But the big question I have is, is this Jared Kelnick's last, basically last tryout with the Mariners? If this doesn't work out, if he has another bum season, if he goes back into the minors, do you think the Mariners, are they done with them? Do they just send him off in some kind of just low ball trade? Or do you think that they keep giving him another shot? Yeah, I'm I'm not as bullish on uh, Kelnick as I feel like the two of you are. So I would definitely say that if he can't come out in the first three months and prove that he's an asset with the bat, he's gotten a lot better with his mitt. So like he is a capable defender. Like I don't think that was something that a lot of us thought he was going to be when he was kind of a touted prospect that he would be like a really good defensive outfielder, but he's he clearly looks like he's worked on it and he's a pretty good defender. Like he is a major league quality outfielder with his mitt, but if he can't produce with the bat, I think, especially if we're assuming that the Mariners are in a similar position that, that they were last year come trade deadline where they're right there looking like a playoff team need to pick up a couple more wins. He's getting packaged in a, in a trade to go get somebody who's, a real contributor. I think he's got to do it. It has got to happen fast. Like I don't think he can wait until June to get his bat hot. Although if he does, then he might get a better trade value. If he, if he starts to get hot right before the trade deadline, maybe that just spices up his trade value. I can't, I can't think that he can afford many more trips back down to triple a. He needs to be a bona fide contributor this year or his time as a Mariner. And I've said that before is that I I'm not in love with Kelnick, but I do like him. And I think he's a good player. 
he strikes me as a Chris Taylor type that I think he has all the potential in the world. Whoever it is with the Mariners, they can't get it out of him. Change of scenery might be the best thing for his career. Go play somewhere else. Maybe a different coach tells you something that clicks. And then we'll be like, oh, why did we trade him? He, he, like, look at how good he is now. It's like, I don't know that he'd ever be that good for the Mariners. He just needed different jersey, different coach. But that, that's where I stand on it. But he could prove me wrong by going out and hitting seven bombs in the first, you know, 30 games of the season. And maybe I'll be singing a different tune. Yeah, I, I think that, uh, I don't know. I, I, don't, I wouldn't be ready to trade him yet just because, I don't know, value-wise, it doesn't seem like you would get, if he's, if he's still not doing very well, what do, you, what, what do other people value him at? It, 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 I'd have to look at the trade, I think, and, and see where, where I'm at with it. But I would say you keep him regardless even if he doesn't have his best season you can he's still young you go you go find another you go to the trade deadline and if you're a contender you go pick up another guy to be in the platoon send him down and keep you know keep rocking and and then maybe you know maybe that's a maybe it ends up being something that you have to trade him a year or two down the line he just never really developed into anything but i would say he's still too young to to give up on him yet for the mariners i think you gotta you gotta keep giving him a chance and hopefully we don't even have to have that conversation because he just comes out and and in his cherry pick situation that he's gonna have he is successful and and just hitting the ball well at least good enough to it seems like he just needs to be one of those guys he just needs to find a rhythm and like when he gets on base and when he's on, you know he's on the base paths even if it's walks he's gotta it, it kind of juices up his game a little bit and he's he's he, he seems like a guy that just needs to find his place on the team and find his his um guess what, what am i looking for like his reason to be there you know like he, he just he needs his purpose that's what i'm looking for like he needs to feel like he has purpose on the team and then he and then he starts to juice up we saw that his rookie year like in september yeah, in he started september. he started to get on base and he was like walking a little bit and getting the, you know slapping the ball around a little bit but and then he you know he started to get a little confidence but i'm hoping that we find some more of that in him this year to follow up on that and what I was saying too is that why he needs a change of scenery is that it just maybe I'm maybe I'm just like conflating the two but like the Mariners are big on like pitch discipline and like coaching that and like they love walks and like and it just seems like when we've seen Kelnick is that the dude just looks like he's in his head he's thinking too much like and I think part of that is probably because of the Mariners and I don't know that the Mariners are wrong for saying that because you see Julio on the flip side who had some struggles early last season some of it I think was bad calls by the umps but like really good plate discipline really trying to find his pitch and then you saw that kind of bear out over the course of the season that like yeah he did a good job of waiting for his pitch and then he found them and then he crushed them where Kelnick hasn't been able to really translate that strategy where when he finds his pitch he's not connecting with it because he's thinking about it too much he's looking at pitches that he shouldn't be like people throw him a pipe fastball he looks at it and then they throw it in the dirt the rest of the at bat yeah. And so that's what I kind of say is that maybe he needs a different coach that like all of this stuff that the Mariners are telling him, I don't think is bad advice. It's just not good advice for him. And yeah. he's struggling with it. He also needs, I think his biggest thing is he just needs to figure out his two strike approach too. Cause he's yeah. just like, he looks lost when he gets two strikes on him, you know? And it, it, it feels like, like you said, he's yeah, he's like, 
he, he flip-flops where it's like he gets a pipe fastball pitch one he he watches it and then and then he gets two strikes on him and he just looks completely lost sometimes and it's like and then guys just throw dirt balls to him yeah and he, and he just and he, he swings at him because yeah. he's just he's all yeah. out of sorts like yeah he's just gonna he, feel bad I, for him at times because yeah he's just you know he's more talented approach and be able to he, like he's a fast guy like put the ball in play and see what happens like not i know today's baseball is all about hitting bombs and hitting dingers and hitting hitting hard shots in the gap but like he's a he, he's a lefty for one and he's and he's quick like and you're not going to have the shift to go against this year like learn how to slap the ball around a little bit and just put it in play and good things happen like that's that's baseball 101 like get the ball in play and good things happen you know i think one big thing that we forget too is that the guy's 23 years old so like if he was still in college ball right now like this would be like his senior season right or no he'd be just yeah. getting out of college right yeah he'd be like you know first year in minors kind of thing so it's like you, you got that going for him too like it's still a lot of potential like we know that he's kind of like the five tool guy like he has the speed he can run bases he can hit for power i think that if this dude i think the simplest advice if like if if I was a coach for Jared Kelnick would be like, dude, you just got to have some fun because I, I think with yeah. everything, what you guys are saying is true is that the, the guy's just overthinking it. And when he goes out to AAA, he may not be thinking that hard about it because there's not as much pressure on the situation. He just goes out and plays baseball and he crushes it. He gets to the big leagues and it feels like the wheels are just turning. You could see the yeah. guy's facial expressions and he's just yeah. so intense. And so like, he's just trying to be the hero. It feels like at every at bat. And it's like, yeah. like you guys said, he just needs to go out there, especially this year, as you said, with the shift and everything going away, just put the ball in play and see what happens and, and just enjoy it. Enjoy it because nothing, you, you never perform at your best when you're that tensed up. You usually yeah. do your best when you're comfortable and you have fun while doing it. Yeah, and I think and that's I, why Julio has so much success and why he got out of that slump at the beginning of the year so early. It's because that guy, he's just a. It seems like he's just a joy to be around. He just radiates happiness, yeah. and I think that that does have an effect, especially when you have the skill to back it up. I think those two things go together. And I wonder if that's some of some of his struggles that he's kind of always been the dude. And so, in the Mariners, when the Mariners signed him or traded for him, it's like he's he's a top prospect in baseball and instantly is starting to get overshadowed by Julio and like the the deal has always been like Julio's the the next coming you know for the Mariners and he's never been that and then he's trying to live up to like live up to Julio's status you know and be be that guy and be that successful and it's just not really happening for him so far and he's he's just hard on himself you can see it like I said you feel bad for the guy sometimes but baseball's supposed to be fun have a little fun with it. And say, yeah, to piggyback off of that, is it like, like you're saying too, Tan, is that Julio doesn't, at least through one year of watching him play professionally, that dude looks like he's never questioning his skill or approach. Like that dude could, like you said, is it even at the beginning of the season, like that dude could be down 0-2 with two pitches that didn't even look close to strikes. And the guy doesn't look like he's questioning his approach he doesn't look like he's phased by it and you just see it from Kelnick and maybe part of it's the pressure from Julio if what I was saying before is true is that he might be a trade piece if he doesn't perform well all of those just strike me as things that like when he gets up to the plate and he's an 0-2 count he's going to question his ability he's going to question everything and that's going to make it hard to just play and have fun Julio has that quality in spades already as a you know 21 year old baseball players that like he looks confident in his approach he looks like he's having fun he could hit a slump and he still looks like he's having fun because he'll go make a diving catch in the outfield 
And he seems like he knows how to like parlay that at the plate. Like, because Kelnick is good enough with his glove. Like, you're not hitting well. Go make good plays in the outfield. It just like know that you're helping the team and you're contributing and like you're helping the team win even if you're not swinging the bat and and, and that will follow. Like you'll you will swing better when you're just having fun and playing free and easy. Yeah. It just doesn't look like he's there right now. But again, that's the beauty of it is that the season starts over. Your batting average is zero at the beginning. Everyone's batting average is zero at the beginning of the year. All you got to do is go out and erase erase your bad seasons with one good season. And you're good to go and then just carry that on. I was watching full swing. I was looking on a, I immediately started Googling new clubs. I felt like after watching that, I felt inspired that we need to get back on the, uh, back on the course, but apparently you did. So I uh, want you run us through that. Yeah. Went and played at uh Bellevue, Bellevue golf course on Thursday Had a frigid, uh, 9 a.m. tea time, probably, you know, 37 degrees at, at, uh, at the first tea box. So, but you know, no time to sleep. We're out here grinding. Hashtag warrior. <laughs> yeah. Also, you know, I already had a cold much like I do now. So I had a kink in my neck. So, you know, it's like honestly pretty brave of me to even go out there and give it a try. It's kind of like, you know, tiger after he almost lost his leg, but I digress. <laughs> but um, honestly, uh, since I haven't talked to you about it all, I was, I was a little triggered at first because I think I had missed part of the story when we had got there, but uh, they had temporary greens going on. Honestly, it didn't make sense to me like more so after the fact, because uh, we showed up and I needed to use the bathroom. So I kind of missed the rundown, but they wouldn't let us go on the putting greens, which like, I don't really roll putts before I play. I'm kind of a John Daly type, you know, just like get out on the course and grip it and rip it. I don't need to hit the driving range or the putting or the putting greens, but. What was John Daly's quote with that? I don't know. Some <laughs> rip a couple of diet cokes, a couple of heaters, and then get on the first tee box. What's the course record? And head out to <laughs> head out to the first tee box. <laughs> so that was kind of my approach. But yeah, they had temporary greens, which was only temporary. About the fifth hole or whatever, they started putting the flags back on the green, which seemed kind of silly to me because, like, what's the difference between? stepping on the green at 9 a.m. versus 10 a.m. But whatever, I don't know. I'm not a course. I'm not a landscape. Yeah, I'm not a greenskeeper. I'm not a landscape pro. So not my place to pass judgment. But uh, it was a pretty choppy round, honestly. Definitely had my worst score ever at Bellevue, although that had been a pretty kind course to me uh, the three times I'd played there prior. Did secure my first birdie, first round of the season, and I got my first birdie of the season. So that, I think, is definitely a step in the right direction that's about the only highlight from the round just a classic just a classic luke birdie par five get about 140 yards out on my third shot or you know two shots gets me to about 130 out or 140 out pull the eight iron out just stick it to about five feet from the cup and then from that point you know you just got to make a putt so that was the only putt I made all day, so it was a good time to it was a good time to get my first good putt of the day. Every other five foot putt I had on the round uh, definitely lipped out at a three quarter turn on one of them. That was brutal. Yeah, it was a good day. Shane Mo, good old good old Shane was uh, ripping that hybrid of his. So I do think if I'm gonna project for the rest of the season, is that uh, 
don't know if it's going to be a big time uh, skins season for me this year. We'll see. Shane's development with his hybrid and his driver. He had another driver shot on the 18th that he probably it plugged because it was cold and wet out. But he probably carried it a good 210, 220, you know, and then it plugs. So there's no run out. So that's a bit more distance than his games used to, I would say, in years past. So I don't know that I'm going to want to be playing skins as much because I don't know if I can uh, keep up with that. Overall, it was a good round. Didn't really have too many horrible shots. Luckily, uh, luckily, we're in Washington, so it'll be winter rules, and Shane will probably be plugging those drives up until about August 15th. So you might still be able to stand a chance against him for, for a, a few point. months here. And then stop us from both taking a snowman on the 18th hole, even though he outdrove me by you know, a good 50 yards. Well, I wasn't on the course. <laughs> was that? I, I, said, like, I wasn't on the course. That's weird. Oh, you should have seen it. Al's dad. Al's dad is out there. Bless his heart. He's a cool dude. But said it after about the third hole. Is like, man, I feel like it feels like Nigel's here in spirit. The first hole. <laughs> first hole he hit a tree and it went and then it bounced off the cart path and went backwards so i was like man it's like nigel's here <laughs> he can, he can nigel, hang with the boys are you ready to let that big dog eat this year i'm always ready to let the big dog eat we're driving three hundo every time it just might be it. about <laughs> yeah three hundo in one direction yeah Hey, the uh, the driver took a lot of strides last year there, there were more straight ones than there's ever been yeah, I'm pretty sure that every single or some of the best shots that I hit or like contact wise last year were ones that went backwards in distance. So it's like hit it as pure as I possibly could right into a tree branch and it hit a car path and went backwards about 40 <laughs> yards. <laughs> Keeps you humble. Yeah, peered it. <laughs> peered it. <laughs> hey, I, I peered one off the cart path too on, on my birdie hole, my tee shot actually smack the shit out of it off of the tee box which was nice too because al also just uh al crushed one of his drives on the 16th tee box and as i always say uh the 16th hole is a great time to have your first good tee shot of the day which was true for <laughs> definitely Thanks. me and al Thanks. so so al peered one up and then i i peered one up as well off the tee box and then it caught the cart path and gave me an extra like 30 yards down the fairway just a little, little skip off the cart path Thanks. set me up set me up nicely but that's about where the highlights end. Not a lot of low lights on the round, just not a lot of highlights. As you know, like I think with anyone's golf game, I'm starting to feel better about it. Is that uh, I didn't I didn't peer up a lot of shots, but even my bad ones were going, you know, 170 yards straight down the middle. Hit a lot of low shots, which isn't normally my game. Usually when I catch it, it's got a pretty high trajectory to it. I was hitting a lot low off the club face. So so even in wet conditions, I was getting decent run out. Cause it's, yeah, because yeah, it's staying low and rolling out, which honestly isn't a bad thing. Like I said, I just I wasn't peering them up. But, you know, much like Robbie Ray, my floor has moved up a lot over the last two <laughs> seasons where it's like, man, I'm not really hitting the ball that well. But I am hitting the fairway every every tee shot, even if it's not going quite as far as I want. It's staying straight down the middle. So like, you could always play from there. You know, you can figure out a good second shot or a good a good wedge shot or a good putt here or there, and all of a sudden you're not having a horrible round. You know, it's the the wheels aren't falling off as opposed to going into the trees or something or into a hazard. What was your guys' uh, take on the uh, full swing uh, series? So did we, you guys get through the whole? Did you guys uh, get we, through it all? We just started. We just started watching it today. I think we watched about three episodes or so. So far, I like it. I mean, I think it's 
we've been saying it for years golf now needs that, it. yeah golf needs golf needs something like that injected in and hopefully i think it'd be really good for them if they can start kind of releasing those episodes during the season so it's not lagging a year behind you just kind of get to get to see it's an individual sport and so getting to see those personalities shine a little bit more and kind of get to see how those guys operate is is pretty fun so I like the uh, I like the Spieth and and JT episode and just kind of it, it's you see some of the clips like on Instagram and stuff where they those guys are mic'd up and you it, it just reminds you of yourself a little bit like it, it reminds you that they're human and not 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 robots and they they hit a hit a bad shot and they're cursing at themselves and or when they're playing you know with those two guys they that first episode where they're showing showing them playing with each other you know they're in a little different territory than we are obviously but it's kind of fun to see see them giving each other shit on the on the course and like they're betting 200 and 100 dollars a hole we're we're betting a buck a hole but it's just kind of fun to see that see that back and forth between them friendship and camaraderie that golf has so i think it's i think it's fun so far yeah, I thought one of the most interesting things seen so far, like I said, we just watched the first three episodes, but the second episode that's uh, more around the Masters is that I was I was genuinely shocked that uh, Brooks Kepka was willing to give as much information as he did, because it really is one of the bigger storylines in golf, is it, you know, just a few years ago, like like the one, the one lady that works for like Golf Channel or whatever that kind of is doing some recap stuff in there. There was a time when you thought, Brooks Kepka teed it up like you thought that there's a really good chance that he's going to win the tournament and then he did like he was winning everything and if he wasn't winning it he was basically top five like he was there like really close and you know they don't go as far to say that it's the yips like he's also dealed with injuries I thought that was really interesting that he talked as much as he did and talking about it and even his own kind of like what you're saying, Tim, even his own insecurities. Yeah. It was just like, am I even good anymore? Like, and it's like, you know, once you get a taste of winning, like, you know, he misses the cut at the Masters, but it's like, he almost, it almost kind of sounds like a toxic trait, but like, doesn't matter if I make the cut, like, win, like if I don't win, I lose. Yeah. So like, it almost seems like he doesn't even care. He doesn't make the cut. You weren't going to be good enough to win anyways that weekend. Wouldn't have mattered if you played the other two rounds. Yeah. So I thought that was a really interesting look. And I'm genuinely shocked Kepka was willing to offer that much information. But like, again, that's what the sport needs. Like, I, I like Kepka a lot. Like, I loved watching him golf, when, especially when he was on fire. So it was interesting that they actually were able to get that out of him. It, it kind of reminds me of the Kelnick thing we were just talking about too, that he's uh, it, it's, it's like, he's in his own head more than anything. And he's even talking about, he's like talking about it, you know, in front of the camera. It's like, he's talking about Scotty Scheffler and like, Oh, he's just out there, like not thinking about anything and like mindlessly playing and having fun out there. And I'm like, just in my head with every single thing. And it, I kind of feel like that's similar to what Kelnick's going through too, where, you know, the Julio Kelnick comparison, Julio's out there playing the game mindlessly and like doing his thing. And Kelnick's thinking about every little thing. And like, he's tasted the success at least at, at lower levels of baseball. And so he just like, can't find that success at the high level. And so it's just like in his head constantly thinking he's, he's over there with his wife. And then also simultaneously talking about like how he's, he's there and only thinking about his golf swing, like the entire time. And it, yeah, it's not a, he's definitely not playing confident right now. 
it's wild how comparable baseball and golf are too because with both sports you're failing majority of the time and so i feel like you have to have an attitude in those sports to succeed long term to acknowledge that accept it and also accept that even when you're making the what top 50 top 40 top 30 top 20 you're making big money still so yeah. it's like you just have to you gotta enjoy it and ride the wave i know that these guys are competitive they have the champion mindset that they want to win every tournament but it's like it's not doable like you're going to fail majority of the time so like enjoy the ride make the money and yeah. uh, and i think once you enjoy it you tend to perform better too you guys will see in a later episode rory kind of goes into that and he had a pretty good mindset on on that whole thing, but I don't want to give too much away. Yeah, it, it's it's really I think that's kind of the fun part about it. It's interesting to see the mental game because golf is so so mental, and like much like baseball is so mental that if you're not in the right headspace, it's tough to tough to be at your best because you're you're out there in your own head and you think about making a bad shot or you think that you're gonna strike out, but like then you're gonna do it. So like it's hard to keep that positivity going unless you're playing well and and you like build upon that confidence. Interesting to interesting to see that a little behind the scenes in the golf world for sure that you've never really seen with these guys. And even though they're they're living these like lavish lifestyles and they live in Jupiter, Florida and it's beautiful there and all they have to do is go golf every day but they're just struggling mentally to like get through each round <laughs> and so it's definitely interesting to see yeah that that line that kepka had i feel like it, it really resonated where he's just kind of like when scotty scheffler you know had won like three of the last five tournaments going into the masters where he's just like what do you think scotty scheffler's thinking about right now yeah. nothing Nothing. Yeah. Because like, and it's like, you know, obviously not that any of us are on the same plane of golf, but obviously, you know, it's all relative. You want to go out and play your best round and, you know, you, you want to, even if you don't want to crush your butt, like I want to see everybody play well when we go play, but you know, obviously I want to play better than you guys, but it's like, yeah, when he says that, it's like, yeah, you're right. It's like all the times that I've had the best rounds or even just the best holes, you know, like it doesn't even have to be the best round. You can focus on the best holes. Like you're not thinking about like, where are my feet? Where are my hands? Like how am I, it's, you're just going up and you're swinging, you peer it up and you're like, yep, that was it. And then you're on to the next one. And it's like, those like kind of, encouraging but also like a good reminder like listen to brooks because you know that brooks is going through it about as bad as anybody what do you think that guy's thinking about nothing what am i doing i'm thinking about everything right now i'm like overanalyzing everything and i and it's funny because he could even say it's like i know that i'm doing too much but i can't stop myself from doing it basically is what i'm hearing him say he's like i know that this isn't a good strategy for me yeah but i can't stop myself from doing it and it's like because you're human you know like yeah. you're, you're still a human person you're still an at like a human athlete like you can know on paper that you're not having the right mindset that you need to have the, but the still line, not be able to correct it necessarily like it's hard to correct bad habits in a moment the the line that i that i liked the most too was uh was jt Justin Thomas when he was at the at the range after his bad round and he's like I just can't what what did he say like I I don't have one single shot right now that I feel confident in what's happening (laughs) or like I feel confident in going to that shot that as a 
that's me every it, round. Well, yeah, it's me every round, but also it's it's wild that like the best golfers in the world have that same feeling, you know, like where they go out there. These guys are, you know, there's a million times better. And they're like, I have, I have no confidence in any shot that I have right now. I can't go to anything and feel good about it. It's like, that is, that's golf in a nutshell. Like it's such a, such a tough mental game. I'm excited for you guys to finish this up because next week we can have a pretty good conversation on because it gets spicy. I'm not giving too much away, but it gets spicy at the end because they really start to throw the uh, the rival the rivals that they're building between Liv and PGA, mm-hmm. and how that gets pretty uh, gets pretty heavy. So that'll be a good one to discuss. So you're you're a little bit further ahead, obviously, Tan, but I'm pretty sure I have it on good authority that Joel Damon has a little bit more presence in this season as it gets further. And we obviously love Joel Damon because he's a former UW golfer. And, you know, I think I think he flashes on there for a second that, you know, he's world rank. I don't know, 90 something. I don't know. He's I feel like he's between 70 and 100 at any given time. I'm excited to see him, though, because, you know, he also does local radio a lot and he's just a good personality. Uh, they kind of show a clip of it because I think it's his buddy. Um, is it like it's, it's a guy because they show it in that like at the Phoenix where like his buddy like flashes the camera and then Damon takes his shirt off and is like swinging it around or whatever you know when they're throwing all the beer cans all of this is to say is that uh i'm excited to see him because it's always refreshing to see athletes kind of like damon or jaso is that we love we love our kobe bryant's and michael jordan types tom brady that it's like these guys live to play their sport and like that's super interesting right but then you have other guys like john jaso or joel damon they play their sport to live and it's really interesting because like i've i've heard damon talk about this in the past where he's just kind of like i have other passions in life like i'm a good golfer i don't spend every waking moment trying to perfect my swing and do all this because there's other things that I care about. It's kind of refreshing sometimes to see an athlete that it's like, I'm good at this sport. I do it so I can make money so that I can be comfortable so I can go pursue my other passions in life. And like I said, I'm excited to see Joel Damon because I've just heard him kind of pontificate on this before in other interviews he's done where it's just like, sure, I could probably bump up my world ranking if I took golf way more seriously. But it's like, I care about so many other things that I'd rather like have a good work-life balance. And golf is work for me. And there's other things I care about in my life. And so, you know, those people don't rewrite the record books and they don't go into the hall of fame or whatever. But, you know, I think for, I think it's a good balance. So it's refreshing sometimes to see a guy that's just a little bit like, you know, Joel Damon's the type of guy like, you see that dude at a bar, like that sounds like a good time because the guy's not so serious about everything. Yeah, Joel Damon was by far my favorite guy in that entire series. Super cool dude. He's the type of dude that you'd want to go golfing with and feel like you could have a good time, even though his level of golf is way beyond yours. Just like just the attitude that he has and just the perspective he has on life. And you guys will see more about that, why he has that perspective. But the dude just has a really good balance. Just seems like a, an awesome guy. Just to... Uh maybe put a bow on full swing here. Golf could not have done this at a better time or like agreed to do this. It's like they kind of hit this or golf in general has hit this like hot streak right now since COVID where it's like all of us that are, that have golf for a while have kind of seen it. It's like during COVID, 
you couldn't even get a tea time anymore because it's the only thing that you could do outside, right? And so all these people, like you're, you've got a whole bunch of new people that are interested in the sport. You've kind of got this uh, young atmosphere going on. You've got like golf attire that's changing and a little, you know, a little fun. Like I think something like a show like this is exactly what you need to help kind of push things along. The, it's the same people who did the F1 thing, right? Or the F1 show, Drive to Survive. And it's like you... You're just catering to this our age group, millennials and Gen Z folks that that like like the drama and and you're gonna ha- you just get new you know new faces, new people interested in the game. You're struggling against live golf, but at the same time you're you know boosting your brand. And you know I I don't think it could come at a better time for for the PGA doing this show. And it, it's funny because you feel like that golf should already be ahead of the curve on this. But it's like with any sport, is it like the NBA, I feel like has always had the upper hand in this regard. And part of it's because, you know, it's 5v5, but it's like you can see the personalities of the people on display at all time. You know, like it's like kind of, you know, it's kind of cliche at this point, but it is true. It's like sometimes it's hard to see the personality of a football player because like they're wearing a helmet. You know, like you literally can't even see their face while they're playing, you know, but like golf obviously shouldn't have that issue. But like, at least in my viewing experiences, like a lot of the times, like they're not mic'd up a lot when they're playing until recently. Like when you get them in the clubhouse afterwards, like, you know, it's kind of always been a rich, privileged person type of sport. And it's very canned responses and like kind of, for lack of a better term, like kind of pompous, privileged attitude, even if it's not what, you know, it's just, it's more... Maybe that's not even the right way to say it, but it probably well, is. There's, but there's definitely been a stigma. There's been a stigma in golf that it's a rich person sport, you know, forever. And, yeah, and, it's, and a, it's still and it still is at this point, but it's definitely making a it's made a jump recently. Like I think yeah. so many more so many people that even that we know, like friends that never never golf before are suddenly starting to golf and it's it's really making a making a run, you know, in in pop culture. Not pop culture, but just in in like sports culture, I guess. Like people are starting to do it a lot more and there's a little different stigma with it now i think than there has been in the past all right the listeners have questions for you boys let's make these rapid fire quick and simple some of them aren't winners boys like they're we got a small following right now not trying to be up on the listeners but we didn't get a whole lot of questions but i'll give you what we got this one already seems a little bit more pertained to uh to the rainier poppy get get yourself ready there nudge when will you finally invite Kristen, mel and emmy to hang out shaking my head um you guys are welcome to hang out anytime i don't i don't think do i have to invite you guys to come out like uh my you have a phone too holla at your boy okay you got one sport that you can only watch once you have one that you can watch forever and one that never exists what do you got luke it's like for the rest of my life yep is this specific to a team like just a sport in general so there's football baseball basketball so there's one I can watch for the rest of my life, one I can only watch one more time, and one that doesn't exist at all. Yep. 
All right, rest of my life. It's probably going to be football, and that's mostly because of Husky football. That's what I was going to say. Is it like, is it Husky football, or is it like... It's any football. It's just a sport. So I'll still go football, because it would be, if it was just one, if it was like, you could only watch one team, like Husky football would be number one. So that's going to stay number one. If I could only watch one sport, what, one more time? That's a tougher one. I guess maybe I'll go... I guess at this point I'd go baseball because I'd save that one game for when the Mariners are in the World Series because we don't have an NBA team. And if I couldn't watch a sport for the rest of my life again, uh, it'd be competitive hobby horse. <laughs> I, don't know if you, I don't know if you're familiar with that one. I don't know if you're familiar with that one. Uh, that, that's still a tough loss for me because honestly I don't know if you've ever seen it. I, I think that's... That- I think that's my uh, sport that I would take for the rest of my life. I was gonna say, sometimes I see Insta reels of these fucking wannabe horse girls riding around on a stick with a with a plush horse head on the end of it, and uh, you know I, I like to laugh, but there's nothing that gets me laughing harder than watching these hobby horse girls fucking skip it around in the dirt. But uh, you know, if if it meant that if it meant that I had to get rid of something, I think that would be the one, just because. Sorry for all the listeners out there, but the, we need less horse girls out there in the world. We need more horse betters, all right? Because horse betting is sick. Nice. what do you got on that one? I would say I'd have to go football, I think, for my uh, one sport that for the rest of my life. Just because I think that that not only, not only is it probably inches ahead is my favorite, but I, I feel like the reason it's my favorite is just because of the... the uh, bonding and friendship around football with our with our group of people it's like you have fantasy football you've got you've got husky tailgates it's you know even like super bowl it's like family friends get together like it's a football games are kind of more events to to get together for each week it's a cultural gathering yeah exactly instead of just exactly a, it's, yeah, it's just like a, a vet or a you know game on paper yeah so yeah it's not just a it's not just a game it's like there's more around it i think than uh than some of the other sports even though i you know i love baseball also but i think that i'd have to take football one i think one game if i had to like one game i'd say tough tough one mariners mariners world series but since luke said that i'll say i'll take like if i had one game to watch it'd be world cup if i could watch like one world cup and never watch soccer again i think that would probably be probably be up there for me and then sport that i would rather or never see again i'll go with uh go cricket i i don't uh do you watch cricket no that's why i that's why i would say i'll i'll get rid of cricket because i it doesn't affect i know it's a big world sport but that just doesn't doesn't do anything do you guys like the ghost runner rule becoming permanent in baseball i say i say yes for for regular season it being permanent i'll say yes I, th- I think that we don't need 18 inning games on a tuesday night like stick someone on second get the game you know get things moving i'm fine with it i i totally agree i've, I've said this before for playoff baseball no like i i think it, you just play it out classic style for playoff baseball but for regular season like I don't know, maybe this is my old age showing, but, you know, the game first pitch is at 7-10. Like, you're already going to be going past 10 o'clock on a Tuesday night for a baseball game. Like, I I want to see it end as soon as possible on a weeknight, especially that, like, anything to get it moving faster. 
I, I think is I, I actually like that role. Also, maybe part of that's influenced by the fact that the Mariners do pretty well. The hardest part of their team is getting a runner on second. So if you're going to give them one for free, I think that's a win in, in the Mariners book. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, like, I think that's that's probably if the Mariners lost a bunch of games with that, uh, maybe I'd have a different feeling about it. But yeah, overall, I'd say like I, I actually like the rule. I think it's a good regular season rule. I I wouldn't want to see it for the playoffs. So. In the, I think, personally, I think this is the best question for last. In the last 10 years, which player accusation, Jesus, uh, was the biggest letdown for a Seattle pro team? Acquisition. (laughs) Sorry. (laughs) Which player acquisition was the biggest? Yes. For a Seattle I can't speak English. Which, in the last 10 years, which player was the biggest letdown for a Seattle pro team? Oh, biggest letdown. Okay, I was already thinking biggest letdown. Oh, no, there's been so many of them. Got the boys thinking. <laughs> Joan Figgins. Yeah, I, that's, so, I, that's, I was going to say. Figgins even Adams. within? I was going to say. Figgins, I, I don't even think it's been Figgins. 10 years. I don't think that's been in the last 10 years. I still like that one. <laughs> yeah, I, I like I like Sean Figgins as as one of the the big letdowns. You know, I think I, I think I got my answer here. Percy Harvin. <laughs> That's a good one. Especially because I think all of us thought that he was going to be pretty big time. And now, granted, we did win the Super Bowl the year that we got him, and uh, I know we all felt this in the moment. But even guys, we mentioned Luke Wilson last week and he even kind of acknowledged that that it's like you know the team felt like they were going to win the first practice they had super bowl week but they really knew that they were going to win once percy harvin took that touchdown back but like especially all the stories you've heard afterwards like in him then him and golden tate like getting a fight in the locker room like a dude was just toxic for the team and honestly he didn't really live up to expectations had some good plays i still remember he had that big one-handed catch over the middle on one game it might have been in the playoffs that like great highlight but i don't know percy harvin like his career basically fizzled out after his stint with like a dude was looking like a top five weapon you know i won't label him as a position but again it was like a top five weapon in the nfl at that point when we acquired him at least top 10 and came to seattle didn't really do that much kind of caused more problems it sounds like in the locker room than he solved and basically his career fizzled out after that so definitely if we're going last 10 years i would probably say percy Harvin. yeah i think percy's percy's oh probably... you can't you can't choose the same one. no 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 I'm, I'm, no 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 i'm not picking the same one I'm, I'm saying percy's probably probably number one i think i like the uh the Sean Figgins one, although that might be that might be eleven or twelve years ago. I think that was that was when we were in high school, wasn't it? Is it that, that was, long ago? I think that was like two thousand eight or something like that. I don't know. We'll have to we'll yeah. have to do a uh, fact check on that. But yeah, I think that's but, more than ten years. But I'm trying to think if there's any other any other big ones that I can think of. Hmm. I mean, Sean Figgins is definitely up there from his numbers with the A's and then Mariners he just did absolutely nothing outside of that 2000 2009 it was December 2009 that we yeah, signed so we're a few years a few years outside of the outside of the uh, bag on that one how about 
trying to think of something a little outside the box here. Um, hmm. Give me a second. I'm, I'm pondering this one. You're going to have to cut this, Tanner. Okay. Give me two seconds. Um... That's what we call a hook. Yeah. Don't forget to bring your lunch pail. <laughs>